The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Yet his grace toward me did not prove vain, it wasn't empty, but I labored even more than all the rest of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. 1 Corinthians 15.10. I want that first phrase to just ring in your minds this morning. So repeat it after me, okay? By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Isn't that amazing? It's by the grace of God that we are what we are. Um, So we're in the third week of these five foundations, better known as the five solas of the Reformation that we're um, remembering, uh, the 500th year anniversary of the Reformation, a renewal movement that wasn't bringing new teaching or new truth, but, but remembering and bringing back the old truth that we find in the Bible. And so a couple of weeks ago, uh, Daryl preached about Scripture alone because the church had wandered away from just Scripture alone being where we get our truth. Um, last week, Daniel preached on Christ alone. Um, There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, right? It's Christ alone. Um, And today, grace alone. Um, By the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, when I think about that, for me, simply what it means is that salvation is supernatural, right? Salvation is supernatural. It isn't something that can be achieved or earned or deserved or worked for. It can't be accrued uh, like you do airline miles. It can't be accumulated by a certain number of merits or kudos or you know gold stars you get like for memorizing scripture. It's simply supernatural. Salvation is supernatural. It's easy to forget that though, isn't it? Salvation is supernatural. It's not something that we can bring about by great arguments or by you know, putting somebody up front who's a great athlete and will woo everybody and say, man, I want to be, be a Christian too because they're a Christian. It's not something that your good looks can, uh, can help you get into heaven. Salvation is supernatural. So if you're here this morning and you consider yourself saved, a child of God, a follower of Jesus, a member of God's family, it was supernatural. It was supernatural. You aren't saved because of your good looks. I'm I'm sorry, some of you, that's probably why you thought you're Christians. It's not because of your good looks. It's not because you're really smart. It's not because you helped 
or have helped a lot of old men like me across the street. Um, I'm glad you laughed. If you didn't laugh, you maybe no. Um, it's not because you've changed lots of nasty, dirty diapers. It's not because you've volunteered at an oasis center. It's not because you changed someone's tire in the midst of a blizzard. Salvation is supernatural. It's not because you're good or you've done something good, you've achieved something or accrued something. Salvation is supernatural. It requires something outside of ourselves. It's not something we can do or achieve by ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. It requires God. And that's why we come to the sermon this morning, God's grace. Um, as I was preparing this sermon, I just the, the words to the old hymn that we started with this morning, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You notice it doesn't say amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a good looking person, a smart person, a, a good person like me. It's just God's grace. It's God is the reason that we're saved. God doing something when we could do nothing. God doing something when we could do nothing. Why is that? Why is it that God had to do something when we could do nothing? Um, I mean, look at us. I mean, look at each other right now. You look at each other and you say, I mean, you're not going to look at each other and say, you are a low, down, nasty, bad person, right? I mean, and we look at each other and we say, we're good people, right? Right, I mean, as long as we forget a lot of the things we've done, but <laughs> I mean, we're good people. I mean, we're mostly nice most of the time, right? I mean, that's why my nickname is Sweetness. The... Um, we we usually try to be kind and considerate, keep our cussing to a minimum. We're good people. I mean, come on, we aren't ISIS. I mean, I don't think anybody here this morning is ISIS. Um, but that's kind of the way we look at it, right? I mean, none of us none of us are the Las Vegas shooter. We're good people. So why, why does God or did God have to do something and why can we do nothing? Well, let's read. We, this is an incredible um, passage this morning. I was going to use another passage from Genesis 6, which is, you know, it describes the world back in Noah's day. And then it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It's the first time we see the word grace used and it's like in the midst of that horrible world, God showed Noah grace. But the passage we're going to this morning, you just can't get around the incredible passage this is. So follow along with me. We're going to read it and then we're going to kind of work our way through it. As for you... This is Paul writing to the believers, the church at Ephesus. He's talking about what they were. You were dead 
in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's what you were, he says to the believers at Ephesus. But, verse 4, That's a huge, huge but. But because of his great love for us, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, meaning for eternity, God might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an incredible glimpse of eternity? That's what eternity is going to be. God just showing his, the riches of, riches of his grace to us forever. Sounds pretty boring. The... Uh, Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So let's, let's pray again just before we, we look at these verses. Father, I think it's easy for us to become complacent and it all to become so familiar, this good news about Jesus, about grace, that it can almost be ho-hum. Oh, that's great. I um, wonder when football's coming on. Father, I pray that by your grace, you would help us to see again afresh, new, the incomparable riches of your grace to us in Jesus. Help us to see it afresh this morning and be people that leave here just incredibly grateful for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So the big question this morning is, what part does my goodness and my good works play in my salvation? What part does my goodness and my good works play in my salvation? And from how I started, I think most of you know that the, the answer is nada, nothing. <laughs> and yet, as we go through these verses I believe that subtly many of us have forgotten that that is true that nothing about me being good or me doing good has anything to do with my salvation past present or future we begin to think that we're good people and and it's our goodness or what the good that we do the big idea simply is Our saving is solely God's doing. Get that? 
Our saving is solely God's doing. Solely God's doing. So if we can go back to the first three verses, we're going to just go through these verses quickly. They give such an incredible, beautiful picture of the salvation that is ours in Jesus by the grace of God. And we're going to get, if you're following the notes, this is the before picture, before salvation. And it summarizes it well. And the word I want you to focus on is you were dead. You were dead. That, that is us apart from Christ. That is us before being a child of God. That is us apart from following Jesus, not being saved. It's dead. I want you to, to, to picture yourself just for a moment and you close your eyes and you, in your mind's eye you go to Miller Woodlawn Cemetery on Kitsap Way, right? You go Kitsap Way, there's all those cemeteries there. And being the confident kind of person that you are, you're going to go there. After you're going to skip Hunter's Farm and you're just going to go and you're going to try this out because of how confident you are in your good works, in your goodness. And you're going to go and you're going to stand in the middle of Miller once, whatever it's called, Miller Lawn Cemetery. And you're going to say, get up! And incredibly, people are just going to start coming out of the ground. Um, it's not going to happen, right? I mean, it is such a simple thing. Dead. That is us apart from Christ. And dead people don't do anything, right? Can we agree on that? Right? I mean, they, they decompose, they decay, but they're not really doing that. That's just... Dead people don't do anything. We were dead. It's important to get that. We're dead. We're not kind of like in Princess Bride. We're not like mostly dead. You know? We are spiritually dead. So all that's left is to go through our pockets and look through loose. No. Okay. I felt really cheated because I was in Basque country when my when the thirtieth anniversary of or 40th, 30th, 30th anniversary of Princess Bride happened, and I did not get to watch it with my wife. So, but I've gotten over the bitterness by God's grace. So, dead, that is us. But notice, what does dead mean? It means we lived following the ways of the world. We lived following the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the devil. We lived gratifying the cravings of our flesh. We lived following its desires and thoughts, and like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath, period. Dead, spiritually dead, deserving God's wrath. Another great scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 3, it says, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Notice. The God of this age, meaning Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Not only dead, but blind. Dead and blind. Not able to see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of Christ. And so with all of our great arguments, with all of our our good looks and all of everything, we cannot 
help somebody to see. We cannot bring the dead to life. Isaiah 59, 12. Listen, this is a description in the Old Testament. It says, our offenses are, are many in your sight, O God. Our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us. We acknowledge our iniquities, rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on our God, inciting revolt and oppression, uttering lies in our, our hearts have conceived. So justice is driven back. Righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets, honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. That's all we're going to look at right now. Dead, blind. That's us. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice, there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene because no one could intervene. No one can make the the dead to come to life and the blind to see. But wait, let's go back to Ephesians if we can, verse verse 4. But notice, where are we here? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. Dead people, alive. That's the key word there. We're no longer dead here. We're alive. We're alive, spiritually alive, in union, in relationship with God. Notice it goes on and says, verse 6, raised up with Christ, seated with Christ in the heavenly realms in Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ. What happened? How can dead people be made alive? How can people who are following the, the, who are by nature people of wrath be people that For eternity, God is showing the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ. What happened? Well, the simple thing we know from these verses is that grace happened. That's what connects these two. Where we were dead, now we're alive because grace happened. Grace happened. Notice. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. See, it's not us. This happened when we were dead. Not when God looked at us and he saw a glimpse of goodness, like I think there's potential there. When we were dead, God made us alive with Christ. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved. Not from ourselves, 
It's the gift of God, not by works. So it makes it really clear. It's not us. It's not from ourselves. It is a gift of God. It's not by works. And it's when we were dead. God, God made us alive with Christ. Um, I just want you to, to ponder these, these phrases just for a moment because I think it's so easy to become numb to them and complacent of them when we were dead because of his great love for us. It was God's love for us. Dead people, people dead in our sins. It was because of his rich mercy that he made us alive. We didn't somehow become alive. We didn't make ourselves alive. We didn't purchase it. We didn't achieve it. We didn't deserve it, merit it. But God, simply because of his great love and his rich mercy, he made us alive with Christ when we were dead. Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. You know, one of, the, one of the verses that we're so familiar with, God so loved the world that he gave, right? He gave his son. Uh, but God. If we can go back to 2 Corinthians 4. Remember, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, verse 4, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so Satan has blinded the minds of humanity so we can't see this incredible good news that I'm talking about right this, right this morning. If you're here this morning and you aren't saved, <laughs> you're separated from from a relationship with God it's because you, you, you can't see it because the God of this age has blinded your minds but the hope is verse 5 but what we preach isn't ourselves like you can do it you just got to try harder but Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake and I, verse 6 is absolutely incredible for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, and it, it takes us all the way back to creation. The same God who created us, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Do you see that? The same God who created everything, is the same God who regenerates everything. The same God who supernaturally said, let there be light and there was light, is the same guy, God that opens our eyes in our blindness and on our deadness to see Jesus, our hope and our Savior and our Redeemer. It's supernatural. It's God's grace. Isaiah, if we can go back just to the end of Isaiah 59 there, the same thing. As God, as the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice, there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. There's no one. I don't care how holy someone seems to be. No one can intervene 
on our behalf. You can't intervene on anyone's behalf to save them. And, and so it says, so his, meaning God's own arm, achieved salvation for him. That is incredible. In the Old Testament, when it refers to God's arm, it's a reference to Jesus. So his own arm achieved salvation. So God achieved it himself, his own righteousness. Jesus sustained him. And the next verse goes on and says that he took righteousness like a breastplate. And and what we see is quoted in Ephesians 6, which is a glimpse of Jesus, who is our righteousness, who is our salvation. Our hope isn't in ourselves. It's not in anyone else. It's in God achieving, purchasing salvation for us. Our saving is solely God's doing. Got that? Our saving is solely God's doing. If we go back just to the end of Ephesians, I guess the thing we could end with is saying, how do we know that it's real? That grace has happened. And I think that's why Paul ends this paragraph with this verse. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, salvation isn't achieved by good works, but if by God's grace our eyes are opened and we're brought to life, an evidence of God's grace in our lives will be good works because of incredible gratitude for God's grace. Not trying to become saved because God has so graciously saved us, supernaturally saved us. Out of gratitude, there will be good works. So how do we respond? Three things in conclusion that I'd like to just challenge us with. Number one, remember. Remember, it is by God's grace that I am what I am. Have we forgotten that? Thinking, I'm doing pretty good. And I tell you, I I struggle with much of my life in high school and college thinking that I was somebody so self-righteous, thinking that I was better than everybody else. And I tell you, the result wasn't gratitude, but it was condemnation and judgment. (laughs) It's by God's grace that I am what I am. I don't care if you were raised in the church. I don't care if you were strung out on drugs. It doesn't matter who we are. It is by God's grace that we are what we are. I had to come to that realization that I was the greatest Pharisee, the most self-righteous person that lived, and it took incredible grace to save me, to open my eyes to my self-righteousness and realize that I needed a Savior. It is by God's grace that I am what I am. Number two, be grateful. Man, ask God, open my eyes to see your grace so that pouring out of my heart and my soul and my mouth will be gratitude. See, it won't be religiosity. It won't be churchiness anymore. It won't be anything but just this gratitude because we get grace. 
and that we are what we are by God's grace and the redemption that he purchased for us in Jesus on the cross that has brought us into a relationship with him. And then finally, realizing then that we need to be people of prayer. I mean, if salvation is supernatural, we 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 got to come to the realization that it's again it's not going to be that I'm a cool guy that are that's going to draw people to Jesus. It's not going to be people because people look at me and say, "Wow, I wish I could be like Dave. I want to be a Christian." It's not because of anything except but God, right? This is who we were, but God, but His grace. And being people then that realize that if if we want our loved ones and our friends to know Jesus, it's going to be because it's something supernatural that happens and that we just ask God, God, open people's eyes. It's it's like the the father when the prodigal son came back. And the and the older son who was kind of illustrative of the Pharisee was grumbling about the mercy and the grace that the father was shown to the prodigal son and the father's answer was simply, my son was dead and now he's alive. My son was lost and now he's found. Wouldn't it be credible if by God's grace, may God open our eyes afresh to your grace to be people that are so grateful for your grace that we would be people that just in the same way plead with you, God, show your grace to my friends, to my family, to people around me so that they can know your grace and your gratitude also. Let's pray. Father, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that that saved a wretch like me, a self-righteous person like me. God, thank you so much for your grace, for your rich mercy. God, that you did what I couldn't do, what I didn't deserve, that I could be your child. God, open our eyes to your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.